Alexander. Shabbat for three. Bingo! Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. He is hard to believe. Here's Jordan. What's going on guys? Welcome back to another post-game recap here in the 2022 NBA Finals here on Dime Dropper. Before we get started, please make sure to subscribe on YouTube at Dime Dropper Podcast, Apple Podcasts, follow us on Spotify, and of course, to follow us on all social media platforms at Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Dime Dropper Pod. So for tonight's episode, obviously only one game on the agenda as per the finals, Game 3 Celtics-Warriors. But before we get into that, I have a couple things to say. The first one is that, guys, for those, obviously the audio version was fine last episode as it always is, but last episode, guys, the quality of the video was terrible. If, if that's happening, guys, and I'm coming in blurry and not at at least 720p, y'all in the chat gotta say something because I'll end the live and restart. Because that can't happen. Our standard is too high here. We can't have video showing up in 280 or 360p. No way, man. We are holding ourselves to a high standard. And, you know, it looks clear for me on my end. So I can't tell until after the video what it really looked like for y'all. So please let me know. Please make a message in the chat. Please let me know right now. Am I coming in clearly? Audio. I know the audio is fine, but is the picture coming in clearly? So just let me know that in the chat. As for another thing. If you follow me on Twitter, you might have seen, and if you subscribe on YouTube, I made a post about it. Yes, Dime Dropper featuring episode two coming after the finals with Spencer Garrett from Winning Time who played Chick Hearn. I was so happy to have him on. We had a great talk. He went very in-depth to the show. I talked about the controversy, the character depictions, and he answered as much as he could. It was awesome. He was really nice, and he has 10,000 followers, and he's a very successful actor. So please not only give him a follow, but make sure to check that out, promote it, share it. I'm really excited about it because it's not going to be the only Dime Dropper featuring this summer. We got more in the works. So keep supporting. This is what we're all about. We're trying to get higher profile guests and, you know, let me have a real conversation with these people. And you guys supporting me even when I'm not talking to anybody, I appreciate you guys. So those we got to really go ham for in terms of algorithms, comments, likes. Make sure to check that out. and It'll be out after the finals. A snippet will be out, though, before the finals. I'm going to give you guys a little preview. Okay, everybody's saying I'm, I'm, my connection's better today. Good to hear. So let's get right into it. Warriors and Celtics, game three, 1-1 one, one in the series. Celtics trying to keep home court advantage. Warriors trying to take it back. And one of the big questions going into the game was, would Klay Thompson have a better game tonight? He did, but it did not end up mattering much. The Boston Celtics threw the first punch today at home. I, I, they were my pick to win this game because I just figured first finals game in Boston since game five, 2010. And they would come out rocking the crowd, and the players would feed off that energy. And that's exactly what they did, starting with Jalen Brown. Same guy who got the Celtics off to a decent start in Game 2. He was not only hitting his threes, but getting two feet in the paint and making the right plays, making the right kickouts, getting the Warriors' defense in rotation, and even Draymond Green. You know, the Warriors like to switch a lot. We saw Draymond Green do a good job on Jalen Brown in Game 2. Tonight, not so much. Jalen Brown scored on him twice in the first quarter, one on a floater, one he got all the way. And then they started out, so the Warriors were down 10-2 to to start. Nothing was coming easy. Steph 
the only times, you know, one of the major reasons he was scoring tonight, and he's had three pretty solid games, good games offensively for sure, to start this series. But when Al Horford a couple of times tonight, multiple times, is dropping too deep on that drop coverage with Steph and he was getting burned. Rob Williams, on the other hand, does a better job of dropping but not too deep. And he's got great length and he makes up a lot of ground when he jumps forward to try to block shots. So he really makes Steph overshoot it sometimes because obviously you're afraid you're going to get blocked. So you put a little bit more on that thing. So other than that, Warriors are going to switch Grant Williams, Tatum, Jalen, Marcus Smart. All these guys, Derek White, are all going to get cracks at Steph, and they all do a pretty good job, honestly, one-on-one. Even though Steph can create some space, I think that sometimes Steph struggles to create space against length, like normal smaller guards do, as good as Steph is, especially when they're allowing some hand-checking, which they were, especially in the fourth quarter tonight, and he needs those screens. I wouldn't say needs them, but it's much easier for him to free himself up with those screens. Anyway, Jalen Brown was the star of the first quarter for Boston. 17 points in the quarter alone. Three for four from deep, making some great passes. I thought Jason Tatum was making some good passes, getting to the rim. I thought Marcus Smart was making plays on both ends of the floor. You know, Smart has done such a great job of these playoffs, handling the ball as a point guard and just making the right reads, making extra passes. And he was doing that tonight, driving to the basket, making plays. And Tatum was aggressive as well, as I said. And obviously the Time Lord, great rotations, covering ground, protecting the rim well. And Al Horford, making open threes, making the extra pass, being strong. If he had Steph Curry on him, he caught the ball deep, went up strong, finished around the rim, dunked it hard when he was around it and had opportunities to dunk it. He was great. And the Celtics threw the first punch. Klay Thompson did not get going in the first quarter. It was 32, or 33 to 22 in favor of Boston after one. But one guy that did start out playing well was Andrew Wiggins, and he played well, I thought, the whole game. But Steph also, two fouls in the first quarter. The Celtics were making it very clear they wanted to get him into a lot of actions. Marcus Smart even went turnaround city on him in the post. So props to the Celtics for really going at Steph and making him work. Second quarter, a little bit better from the Warriors. Clay started to hit. And a couple of threes, freeing himself off off his screens. And that was a big welcome sign for the Warrior fans. Andrew Wiggins, also great, knocking down shots, even creating his own shot, hit a nice step back or two tonight, and finishing around the rim. But Tatum, I thought he was really good in the second quarter, getting to the basket at will and hitting two pull-up threes, contested, taking steps to the basket when he had him on a switch. And I thought a couple of times throughout the game, especially in the fourth, the Warrior defense did a bad job of leaving Steph exposed on an island against certain guys that he probably shouldn't be guarding. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Marcus Smart included. And here's the thing. Marcus Smart is the smallest guy out there for the Celtics offensively to start the game, just out there, period, to start the game. And Steph got bullied a little bit tonight. Also because he didn't want to pick up more fouls. He picked up three in the first half, so... He needs to be more mindful of that, but at the same time, it is Boston. It is a home game at TD Garden, and they're going to favor the home team. And tonight, they got more of the home-centric officiating, the home-centric calls. Normal. JB continued to play well second quarter. Marcus Smart was making all the right plays, got to his right hand for two layups late in the half. But the Dubs made a little bit run, and this in that quarter cut it down to eight or nine but the Celtics responded well as for the substitutes for the Warriors 21 minutes from Otto Porter 24 minutes for Jordan Poole and 11 for Gary Payton Jr. so not much GP2 part of it is because the Warriors you know as great as you know it seems like they are offensively because of the Splash Bros and Jordan Poole they have two guys in their starting lineup that can't hit a shot outside 10 feet and then when Gary Payton comes in he's hesitant to shoot the ball outside 10 feet so Steph Curry is creating these advantages that in other teams, it's like let's let's use the Celtics for example, right? 
They have one guy that can't shoot the ball outside 10 feet. That's their center who hangs around the basket as a lob threat, as an offensive rebounding threat. And we're going to get into the offensive rebounding in a second. But everyone else, the Horfords of the world, they don't spot up or stay in places that they can't shoot. Draymond Green gets the ball a lot as the trigger man behind the foul line. And when he's not being respected, Jason Tatum can help out on Steph Curry and Klay Thompson coming off screens and take away that look and also being able to recover to Dray- Draymond if he tries to drive. You know, and that's and it's the same with Looney too on the short roll sometimes. It's like when the Celtics are, are playing drop coverage, Looney will get the ball at the foul line. He's got a quick second to pick and pop, but that's not his game. And the Celtics guys, Al Horford, Robert Williams, they recover. Whereas with Boston, if Smarter, Tatum, or Jalen create half an advantage, if you are not leaving Rob Williams open at the rim, you're leaving a shooter open. And all of them can make you pay. Derek White, Peyton Pritchard, who were the only two subs besides Grant Williams that got run. So that's really been their eight-man rotation as the playoffs have progressed. Pritchard, White, and Grant Williams. Tyson didn't get any burn tonight, which was a smart decision by Udoka. But that's the thing. The Warriors don't have the same offensive advantages that the Celtics do, which is crazy to say because they have Steph Curry and Clay, and he creates those advantages. But Draymond Green went back to being the podcaster tonight, no looking at the basket, and his defense wasn't that great either. So when he's not playing great defense, and I'm talking great defense, he needs to play great defense because he's not doing anything else positively. And that's not an all-star to me. You know, he made the all-star team this year, and he played really solid defense this year, but he doesn't play like an all-star consistently. He doesn't have all-star impact on a consistent basis because he used to because his offense wasn't that horrendous and his defense would usually always make up for it. But now against the high-level elite defensive teams, It's standing out more. As I say, all your flaws get exposed in the playoffs. And ever since 2016, Draymond has not won a ring without Kevin Durant. And Kevin Durant alleviated a lot of these issues that I talked about before. Two points and four rebounds, three assists. That's not going to get it done at all. 35-34 was the score in the second quarter in favor of Boston. So they led 68-56 at halftime. 68 points is a lot in the NBA Finals. And by the way, somebody else who I thought played well in the first half and just throughout the game, Derek White, a couple nice drives to the basket. He continues to play well. They showed a little graphic that the last six games, he's averaging like 15 points. He finished 3 for 9 because he was 0 for 3 from 3. And his 3 has looked pretty suspect all playoffs, but his IQ is good. He makes the right plays. He goes to the basket, and he puts pressure on the defense for sure to some degree. Anyway... Let's talk about the second half, right? We got a little bit of a dose of third-quarter Warriors tonight, but not even just third-quarter Warriors, mainly third-quarter Curry. He took over the game in the third quarter with a nice flurry, two straight threes, getting to the basket a bit. And the problem is, though, he cut it down to eight. I think it was 64-72. And it was so funny. One of the guys I follow on Twitter mentioned that Steph Curry, the Warriors are going to make a run, and then Scott Foster is going to call – tough uh, phantom fourth foul on Steph that's going to kill momentum. And I wouldn't say it was a phantom call, but it was pretty soft. Marcus Smart was coming up the court and pulled up for three, and Steph reached from behind and made a little contact with his arm. Steph got his fourth foul, but it didn't deter him at all. He stayed in the game, and he responded even more with a couple more tough shots. And then the big one was the flagrant foul, which was just Al Horford. You know, Steph Curry landed on Al Horford's foot, but part of it is because Steph Curry jumped forward. Like, I just and he got a flagrant foul off of it because the landing space after the Kawhi Zaza incident has been a huge point of emphasis in the league, and that was a five point swing that got the Warriors within two, and drop coverage Horford was getting killed. You know that's part of it as well, and that was actually one of those instances where 
Horford, even though he had got a better contestant there, just dropped a little too deep, got burned. But Steph, like, I, I, I don't think he's a foul bait or anything like that, but sometimes he does try to get that foul in the landing space shit. And I just think that, okay, it's one thing to be a foul, but that that to be a flagrant is so cupcake. Like, I cannot stand it. I can't stand it. It's very obvious when someone tries to slide your foot intentionally underneath, but that's just... That I think that there needs to be some interpretation of that rule because that being a flagrant is just not good for the game. It's cupcake shit. There's, it's just not enough contact. Sometimes you're going to hit someone's foot on the way down. Sometimes. If they're not putting it there purposely for you to land on them so you can fuck up your ankle, I get it. I know they want to take that away in its entirety, but it's like these are great shooters and it's hard defense being played right now. And plus, guys are jumping forward also. Let's not, let's not act like they're not jumping forward. But 15 points in the third for Steph. Steve Kerr, funny enough, took Steph out at the end of the third because I knew he wanted to play him the whole fourth because that's been a, a criticism of, of Kerr that he didn't let Steph go the whole fourth in the first game. So he took him out at the end of the third, and for a second, it looked like the Celtics were going to take a seven-point lead. Or, or they took a seven-point lead. It looked like they were going to maybe push it to 10 at the end of the third quarter, and we would have said, oh, man, when Curry was out, the Celtics just took over. You know, the Time Lord was doing great work protecting the rim, and the Celtics were getting killed. I'm sorry, the Warriors were getting beaten up on the offensive glass, the glass in general. You know, Draymond Green was the second biggest guy that played tonight for the Warriors besides Looney. So when Looney was out of the game and Looney only played 17 minutes, that's Draymond Green at the five. You are going to be vulnerable on the glass. 31 rebounds to 47 for the Celtics, and then 15 to 6 offensive rebounds in favor of Boston. That's going to be huge. Three from Jalen, two from Marcus Smart, three from the Time Lord, and three from Horford, and three from Grant Williams. And one of them, Grant Williams, put it back up and in. I remember it. So there you go. you got to get a body on, guys. You know, Jordan Poole, a couple times I saw, he was just outsized but didn't box out. And somebody who did box out a lot tonight, Marcus Smart. I just thought he was fantastic. Total bounce-back game from the two points he had in Game 2. was just awesome. Penetrating, putting pressure on Curry. And I'm going to get into his defense in the fourth quarter in a second. But the third quarter did belong to the Warriors. And because Klay Thompson was actually hitting shots, he had a big three at the end of the third to cut the uh, deficit a little bit. And it was only a four-point game. And by the way, Jordan Poole, I haven't talked about. I thought they need a little bit more scoring from him, but I thought he was making all the right reads. You know, the, the Warriors did a really, um, the Celtics did a really good job of taking away his easy shots coming off screens. So he was dropping it off and making solid passes to rollers. And I thought he was pretty good. Just may need to look to be a little bit more aggressive, but he had 10 points, four for eight from the field and one for four from three. That was the fourth leading scorer on the dubs, which he so often is one of the four leading scorers on the dubs. But 33-25 in favor of the Warriors in that quarter. And it was 93-89 to 89 going into the fourth. I thought we were going to get our first close game of the series, a tough fourth quarter, but we didn't. It was the Celtics pulling away, and it started with the aggression of Jason Tatum. Take getting to the bucket constantly, and they were clearly attacking Steph and pick and roll over and over. And I actually thought that the results for the Warriors were pretty good when Steph was hedging and waiting for Wiggins to recover and then going back. I thought they were actually getting decent looks, but for whatever reason, they went with Steph 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 Curry switching a lot on Tatum and they were getting burned. And Marcus Smart even bullied him. Like, remember, he was trying not to get fouls. And I thought Steph had a tough defensive night tonight. Like, very tough. If, if I had to pick out a game where he was really attacked defensively and really struggled, tonight was the night in his finals career because it was pretty brutal. And it's not fully, like, 
again, this doesn't mean that Steph Curry can't guard. It's the same as Nikola Jokic. It's like it doesn't mean they can't guard or they're not great defenders. But in today's NBA, if you can't with the spacing, if you cannot switch one to five or anybody, everybody on the court, I don't want to say, I don't want to even use the terms one to five because we play with small ball. It's, it's not even like guarding traditional centers. But just if you can't switch on everybody on the court, they can put you in a screen and roll and get some kind of advantage based on how you're playing it. Just because every screen and roll, if you don't switch in today's game, can, can be exploited unless your rotations are really sharp. If you're moving the ball fast enough, you will get a good look. And Jason Tatum was getting good looks. He was getting two feet in the paint. He was making big kickouts. Marcus Smart hit a huge three to make it 110 to 96. And then on the other end of the court, Steph is working very hard to even get off a clean look. And that's one thing with Steph that we just got to acknowledge, guys, in the fourth quarter. As much as, as tough as it is for Warriors fans to acknowledge this, and I'm not saying he's not clutch. I'm not saying he's not good in the fourth quarter. You can pull up some stat and prove me wrong. But the fact of the matter is he struggles to get clean looks in fourth quarters because his size and that's normal when he's get, getting the best defenders in the world on him the smarts you know and then the length of a Jalen and the Tatums he's gonna need some screens to free him up not need but he's gonna prefer some screens to free him up and when teams have the switching versatility of the Celtics that's how you make life tougher stuff to get off clean looks he had this amazing step back on Grant Williams in the quarter but other than that I'm pretty sure he'd even score again in that fourth they had 11 points in the fourth as a team and you know I'm not saying that's all on Steph it's you know Draymond being a non-threat to shoot, to score at all, is terrible. It's a terrible thing. Two points. You know, Jason Tatum is just waiting for Steph Curry to come off the screen to trap him or to throw two at him and take away that immediate look. And that's a liability for the Warriors offensively. But at the same time, it's just like this is the highest level and you see certain things. And Steph, he's the only player, and mind you, this is a very exclusive category that he only sits in as the best scorer on a championship team consensus at that size. Because Isaiah Thomas wasn't a 10-point difference over his next guy when he won the championship. Frazier was not a... I don't even know if Clyde was the top scorer on that 73 team. And even if he was, it's not more than a point or two. Whereas 2015 Curry, he was averaged 25 points or something. The next guy, Clay Thompson, averaged 18 points. It was very clear who the best scorer was. And it's very clear right now who the best scorer was. And right now, Curry, despite what I'm saying, he's lacking that clear-cut second guy. Say whatever you want about this Warriors team, but they lack that Jalen Brown. Klay Thompson is not his all-star self. He's very solid. He's good. He plays like that some nights, but it's not consistent. Even though he always shot the ball inconsistently at times in the playoffs in the past, he was a better defender then, so he could make up for it. Whereas now, he plays like a very good role player at this moment. Wiggins, he's a great role player, but he's not a true all-star to me. Great role player, though. Does his thing. Draymond, I mean, don't even get me started. Two points again tonight. So Marcus Smart did a hell of a job on Curry. Jalen Brown had some great defensive plays tonight. A big block on Klay Thompson late. Then the Time Lord finished it off with a lob. They were attacking Steph on the pick and roll. They killed on the glass. And also Steph turned the ball over three times in the fourth quarter. At least two, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, it was a tough night. It was a total tough night for the Warriors in general. And let's just like, I fuck with Steph Curry really heavy. But I'm just telling y'all how it is, man. And I know that's not a truth. That it's, it's an uncomfortable truth for a lot of a lot of Curry fans. But it's tough. It's just tough to be that size. Today's NBA, when you put guys in pick and roll, it forces some sort of mismatches. And it's hard. So Steph's going to be... And we've seen Chris Paul. We've seen Luka, Trey Young in these positions the entire playoffs. You know, we've seen them try to make the stars work. 
And that's why I think Giannis, as this league goes on and the playoffs continue, I'm starting to really realize why I think Giannis is the best player in the NBA. Because he doesn't get he doesn't have this disadvantage on, on defense at all compared to Jokic or Curry. He doesn't have it. And that's what makes him to me superior. Kevin Durant also doesn't, but you know, the Giannis, the easy baskets he creates. Uh, with his size and strength and what they let him get away with is just, it trumps things for me. But let's talk about the Lions, man. you got to give credit to the Boston Celtics for how they played. Let's go with the Warriors first. They shot 46% as a team, 37.5 from deep, so not terrible. 87% from the line, 13 for 15, but they turned the ball over 16 times. So that's a little much. 78 shot attempts as a team, so not even in the 80s, so it was a little bit slower pace. But also, they just didn't get as many shots up. The Celtics shot 11 more times, 89 shots to 78. So you know what that tells you? Second chance opportunities, offensive glass, no rebounds, no rings. That's why Pat Riley, you heard, y'all see what Pat Riley said, by the way, in the press conference the other day? He told the reporter, I'm 77, I can still do more push-ups than you. You know what that's called? Big dick energy, baby. That's the godfather right there. That's the man, Pat Riley, man. I wouldn't be surprised if he's still like having, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to get in trouble saying things, but let's just, I think he's having young man fun still. That's my opinion, because that's, I don't know, man. If you were a woman in Miami, it doesn't matter what age you are, you wouldn't go for the Godfather? Shit. I would if I was a woman. He's just that kind of guy. He's just a G. But anyway, let's not talk about the Godfather right now. He's working on some offseason plans for the Miami Heat. Let's talk about the teams that are in the finals, and let's read the lines. Otto Porter Jr., decent game for him. It wasn't too big of a role. 21 minutes, 6 points, 2 for 3 from the field. Those were all threes. 4 assists as well. Gary Payton, the second, 0 for 2, 2 points, not much of an impact in 11 minutes. Jordan Poole, 24 minutes played, 10 points, 4 for 8. Thought he was pretty solid, 3 assists. For the starters, Kavon Looney, 6 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists. It was an okay Looney game. He was fine. 17 minutes, though, was not much. And then the other four starters were the guys that got 35-plus minutes. Andrew Wiggins, I thought he was really solid. 18.7 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals, 2 blocks, but 3 turnovers. You can you, you can do with one less than that. 40 minutes played. He led the team in minutes. 7 for 16 from the field. 1 for 6 from deep. So he's really struggled shooting that 3 ball. And then Clay, 7 for 17 from the field. 5 for 13 from deep and 6 for 6 from the line. 39 minutes played. I thought he was really solid. And it's disappointing that he had 25 points and shot fairly efficiently. And the Warriors didn't win and weren't really that close in the end. And then Steph Curry, another very solid game. But def- again, there's two problems with Curry. Defense, he can still be exploited to some degree. And then the fourth quarter, when they let them hand check and they put the best defenders on him, he struggles to get clean looks. It's an uncomfortable truth that Warrior fans and Curry fans need to have with themselves. Size does matter. Size does matter in the NBA. It does. It does at the highest levels, guys. And that's why I never will think that Steph Curry and Magic Johnson is a conversation because 6'9 Magic Johnson can shoot a fucking running skyhook with two people and 6'10 guys on him in the foul line in traffic. You feel me? That's a different level. That's just the size he was blessed with. Steph Curry, to be as good as he is at his size, I mean, come on. He's probably the best player ever at that size. Like He probably is. Like him or Isaiah Thomas. Take your pick. Jerry West is a little bigger than Steph. And I don't even know if Jerry West is better than Steph. I think Steph is probably better. It's different that, you know, 60 years apart, you can argue all day. But I thought he still played well. Steph needs a secondary guy. I'm not saying offseason type shit, but tonight, honestly, he just needed Draymond to be better and the defense to be better. But the defense starts with him too. Draymond Green. So 31 points for Steph, four rebounds, only two assists, two steals, three turnovers, most of those in the fourth, 
12 for 22 from the field, 6 for 11 from deep, but only one foul shot, which is ridiculous. But also, the refs, they just don't give Steph the whistle that he deserves. He should have had three, or f- three, four, five foul shot attempts tonight. But it's a mixture of home-centric officiating and Steph just not getting a great whistle, which he doesn't get for a superstar. But it's also, you know, it's hard to get all the way to the cup and draw the contact when you're smaller. Draymond Green, though. Two points, two more, two more points than me. Four rebounds, three assists, one block, two turnovers, and he fouled out one for four from the field and 0 for two from deep. I mean, let's see what he says on his podcast tomorrow. So tired of his shit, dude. Best defender of all time. Why don't you look up at the rafters of the stadium you're playing in, brother? Then you'll see the best defender of all time. Here's the funny part. He's not even the best defender from his own franchise. That's the funniest part about Draymond. He's not even the best. I, I understand why he said it. You know, the confidence. Like, It's the same way with people that think they're the best in the world. You obviously, even if you're, if you're Jason Tatum right now, I would think I'm the best player in the world. I would have that mentality that no one's better than me. Draymond, he has that on the defensive end. And obviously, you know, I know it's hypothetical, but you'd want to say that if like you're the the Rudy Escargo Bears, the Draymond Greens, the, the the Bill Russells, the Ben Wallaces. Like, they'll probably all think they're the best defender ever. Like, no one can score on me and all this shit. But there is a level of respect that Bill Russell achieved things that Draymond Green's just never going to achieve. He's not that good of a player like that. Bill Russell is the only guy in the history of the NBA that has won multiple championships as the best player on his team that was defense first. Defense first. Not offense first. No other superstars like that. So he will always be the best defender ever to me. And I can talk, and by the way, if you want to talk about breaking it down in the X's and O's, I can fucking do that too. But y'all know I can. So I don't need to do that. The, the rings speak for itself. You walk into TD Garden, I've been there three times. You walk into TD Garden, those banners hit you smack dab in the face. 11 of them were put up by the cat, like one man that spark plugged that whole shit. And that was number six. And number six is the best defender of all time. But Draymond wants to say that, that's cool. But the funny part is he's not even the best defender for his own franchise. That's Nate Thurmond. And Kareem Abdul-Jabbar will second that nomination. Anyway, like, I, I do have respect for Draymond, though. Let's, let's let me make that clear. I don't want to go hard, too hard on him. But it's like he's just like, I just can't. Ever since he signed with Clutch, I just don't fuck with him anymore. And I'm going to, and here's the thing. When he plays well, I'm going to tell it how it is. When he plays like shit, I'm going to tell it how it is. He even admitted in the pro, post-game presser tonight, he played soft. He didn't play well. And right now, it looks, looks like Draymond is the X factor, not Wiggins. Wiggins has been consistent. It's and Clay played well tonight. It didn't matter. It's Draymond that when he played badly in Game One, they lost. When he played badly in Game Three, they lost. When he played better in Game Two or whatever you want to call it, for those that think he wasn't really playing ball, they won. So Draymond Green, it seems like the X factor in this particular series. And right now, he's not outplaying Marcus Smart or Al Horford for that matter. Let's talk about the Celtics stat lines: forty-eight percent from the field, they shot. 43 out of 89, 37% from deep, 13 for 35. They did not overdo it. They stayed aggressive, and that's what I love. Jason Tatum stayed aggressive. He stayed going to the rim. Marcus Smart stayed going to the rim. They shot 24 foul shots. They made 17 of them. Should be a little bit better. As for their bench, Peyton Pritchard shot two shots in 10 minutes, made one three, three points on a kickout. Derek White, seven points, three for nine from the field in 24 minutes. Solid performance by him, even though he was minus 12. Don't think it's a tootle. I think he probably just played a good amount of third quarter minutes where Steph made his run. But outside of the third quarters, guys, the Warriors, I mean, the Warriors played a good first three quarters in the first game. But outside of the third quarters, though, in the last two games, it's the Celtics have really been 
Just I just think the Celtics have looked better through three games and the whole playoffs. If I'm, if I'm being real, I think they're the best. I think that I picked the Warriors in seven, but part of that was an emotional selection. If I, I just don't want the Celtics to win, man. They're two games away, and I can already hear my friends gonna get. Oh man, I talked about a Boston sports drought, and it's looking like the three years is a small drought, and they may be parading again in green. It's just ugh. 18th ring. Oh man, LA won't have the best franchise, even though I don't like the Lakers like that. It's just like. I do take somewhat pride, and at least the Lakers are the main team in the city, and they have the most championships. I'm always going to go L.A. over Boston, uh, or any city for that matter, but shit. By the way, I still think the Lakers are the best franchise, even if the Celtics win this chip. I do. Just because winning in different eras matters to me. Um, but, sh- but man, you could have the argument, though, Celtics fans, if you go back ahead of them. Right now, I don't think there is much, but hey, that's not what this is about. 10 points for Grant Williams. I thought he finally had a solid scoring night. Four for seven from the field. One for four from deep. From three. From deep. Three offensive rebounds. Five overall. And just big time on the offensive glass. As I said, 15 rebounds offensive to six. And then 47 to 31 as a whole. As for the starters, all of which played 26 minutes or more. The Time Lord. You could argue he was the player of the game tonight. I thought he was phenomenal. His rim protection, his, his you know, the, the lob threat that he is, his recovery time, the way he gets out on step and puts a hand up, eight points, 10 rebounds, three of those offensive, four blocks, three steals, and zero turnovers, plus 21, the highest of any player on the court tonight, Rob Williams, maybe the player of the game, he was awesome. Al Horford, 30 minutes, 11 points, eight rebounds, six assists, five for seven, one block on a really nice closeout, one for two from deep, that was in the first quarter, just Awesome, again, from Horford. Earning every bit of this if he gets this championship. And then the other three. Marcus Smart. What a bounce back for him. 24 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists. Did an exceptional job on Curry. Did turn the ball over 5 times, which was almost half the turnovers for the team. But he was awesome. 8 for 17 from the field. 3 for 7 from deep. 5 for 7 from the line. And then the Jays, who led by example the whole way. Starting with Jalen Brown. 40 minutes played. 27 points. His best game of the series, 9 for 16 from the field. Of course, 17 of those were in the first quarter. 4 for 8 from deep, 5 for 6 from the line, 9 rebounds, 5 assists to go along with it. And then Jason Tatum, who you can also argue was the player of the game because of the way he closed. 26 points, 6 rebounds, 9 assists, 9 for 23 from the field, 3 for 9 from deep. And I think he was better than Steph tonight because it's not all about offense. Jason Tatum didn't get exploited on defense the way Steph did, and he can't. Because he's too, he's too big. You can't exploit him that way. And that's one of the things you can put him in that conversation with Giannis and, and Durant in that way. And he's been fantastic defensively all playoffs. So, 116 to 100 is the final score. That leaves us to a huge game four for the Warriors. It's a must win. If they do not win that game, I don't see them coming back from a 3-1 deficit. They need a win. All the pressure's on them. And I'm going to tell you right now, Steph Curry could be due for a bad shooting night, and I don't think he can afford one in this series because they're going to need 10 points from Draymond minimum to me unless Clay or Poole go up for 30-plus. It's like they, the Warriors' room for error is not that – margin for error is just really not that high. I just think the Celtics like the better team. They're stronger. Their physicality wore on the Warriors tonight. They're physical. It's like an old-school kind of vibe with them. They're big. And they're very well prepared with Yudoka, and they have a clear-cut second star, and they both have size. Which, honestly, I was having doubts about this kind of model of a team, of the two best players being wings. Because sometimes you need them to do so much offensively if they're your two main guys, that defensively they take a hit. 
but this is the model that the Clippers need to follow next year because they, Jason and Jalen are showing you that, that this can work. Because there's never been, besides Jordan and Pippen, but they weren't very similar, Jordan and Pippen. Two wings. I guess you can say Wade and LeBron too. But the thing is, LeBron is the playmaker. Pippen is the playmaker. Wade and Jordan are more scorers. You know what I'm saying? Whereas Tatum and Jalen are both kind of the same. You know, they playmate through their scoring gravity and they're, you know, trying to learn how to be better in pick and roll, but they're more ISO scorers. So it's, that's what Kawhi and Paul are. And Kawhi and Paul are the kind of the de facto playmakers for the Clippers because we don't have a pure point. But Marcus Smart has become that kind of point that they've really had uh, next to them. And Reggie Jackson is going to have to be that for the Clippers next year. The only issue with Reggie is he doesn't defend at the level Smart does. So he will be exploited at the highest levels when the Clippers, if the Clippers get to that level next year. So, But I'm not going to talk about the Clippers right now. It's the finals. And the Celtics and the Warriors deserve their shine. And, yeah, the Celtics are two games away from a fucking championship, guys. Oh, my God. I did not think it would happen this quick, and it could. And Jason Tatum would be a fifth-year, 24-year-old leader leading a team to a chip. Oh, my goodness. But I'm not going to get into those conversations yet because we still got a series to be played. For the Warriors, what's the adjustment? you got to stay in front of the ball better. you got to need more from Draymond. Steph needs to be better in the fourth quarters because two of those games were just were going into the fourth were anyone's game, and they lost them. So we'll see. They don't. They, if they have to have a twenty-point lead to going into the fourth to win, that's a concern. But anyway, that's it for me tonight, guys. Thank you so much for joining me. Let me know what you thought of the recap. Give me your reviews. Give me your comments. Uh, leave a review on Apple Podcasts if you'd like. And yeah, by the way, points in the paint, fifty-two to twenty-six in favor of Boston. That's double the amount. So there you go. That's the story for the game. Story of the game for you right there. That's it for me tonight, guys. Celtics are two games away from a ring. This next game should be extremely interesting. The Warriors need it. Super Chats are turned on. If you want to drop a dollar or a dime for your boy, always taking donations. Make sure to stay tuned for the clip for the Spencer Garrett episode. A clip of it is probably coming after game four. And if you have HBO Max, check out Winning Time. If you're a basketball fan, it was very entertaining. And it'll make you enjoy the episode more. But it was 35 minutes, a great chat. Show some support for your boy. We're trying to get bigger guests on the show for you guys. So trying to build. Thanks so much. Ending at the 34th minute, like the truth, Paul Pierce, who was in attendance tonight. Peace.